Hello there. It's Tuesday, the 24th of September, 2019, and this is episode 116. Real quick, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, don't forget you can head on over to markhogue.com, click the link in the top right corner, submit the form, and I'll be in touch with you shortly if it's a good fit. If you'd like to advertise, you can continue to do so through anchor.fm, where you can reach out to me directly. We can work on your ad spot and revise it and update it each and every episode for the duration of your ad campaign. Finally, I just put out a little survey on Twitter. It looks like most of you are pretty supportive of the idea of me going ahead and starting up a Patreon for this podcast, so I may very well do that. Keep your eyes and ears open. I'll let you know. Right. Today. Hmm. What is today? Yes, today. Today, Hyundai and Aptiv have partnered up. The U.S. Department of Transportation commits a bunch of money to autonomous car testing, and Audi does a study on a thing. All this right now. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. All right, so we haven't really talked about Aptiv in quite some time. In fact, just looking back over uh, my website here, it looks like it was all the way back at episode 47. Um, this is when Lyft and Aptiv announced that they were that they had just hit 5,000 autonomous rides in Las Vegas. So, actually, what was that about? Let me see here. Um, yeah, I guess that's that's really the bulk of it. Uh, Lyft and Aptiv were I just announced they were delivering their 5,000th autonomous vehicle ride, and apparently, well, according to them, anyway. Uh, it turns out passengers were loving them, something like uh, more than 90% were in favor, and more than 20% had already ridden the cars more than once. I say this, how did I not get a ride in an Aptiv car when I was in Las Vegas for C- CES? Well, I guess, actually, I say that, I, I do know now why I didn't, because I was always indoors. Um, yeah, well, that's a good reason. Um, anyway, let's see. So so what's happened, though? Uh, they're in the news again, because they've just partnered up with Hyundai yeah, so it turns out that they are forming together. Not So just to be clear, when I first read this, I assumed it was some sort of a massive investment, Hyundai dumping in a ton of money into Aptiv, rather like, say, GM did with Cruise. Actually, as I say this, I think my assumption went even further that something like Hyundai was effectively acquiring Aptiv in the same way that, that GM had acquired Cruise, more or less, anyway. Um, but no, it's not that. They're actually coming together to form an entirely new entity, and it's this joint venture between the two of them. Uh, each company is going to own 50% of it, a total valuation of $4 billion. So this is pretty interesting. Um, it turns out that Aptiv is going to basically provide 700 employees to kind of be part of that platform. Uh, Hyundai, of course, is a good choice for them, according to Aptiv CEO Kevin Clark, because of their quote-unquote cutting-edge engineering and R&D capabilities which make them our partner of choice to advance the development of a production-ready autonomous platform. Yeah, so this is, um, well, actually, let me get to that in a moment. Uh, Their ultimate goal, of course, is to eventually 
continued development and obviously perfection of level four and level five self-driving systems. Uh, they're going to start testing, I guess, in 2020, and they expect to have a self-driving vehicle platform ready for commercialization by 2022. So, look, I have um, a lot of questions and a lot of things to say, no particular order, so let me just dive right in real quick. Um, first of all, I think it's time that companies stop lumping together. Oh, yeah, we're developing level four and level five at the same time. That's sort of like saying that you're developing, I don't know, um, an iced tea and a filet mignon or a massive casserole or wedding cake all at the same time. I mean, these, these are vastly different things. Um, sure, I, I guess I sort of understand, uh, you know, the idea that indeed this is their end goal. But but again, going back to points I've made previously, guys, people, come on, let's, let's, let's recognize the fact that really at this point, level five, putting this in a press release, announcing to the world that you're developing level four and level five, this is nothing but marketing puffery. Give me a break. I mean, just get level four on the road, literally, figuratively, or otherwise. Just just get the thing on the road and then start talking about level five. Everybody knows you're working on level five at some point, but it just doesn't matter. It's like saying, hey, look, we're trying to get people into orbit uh, around Mars, and oh, yeah, we're also working on getting people to Jupiter. Really? Like, who cares? It's it's just too, it's, it's not relevant right now. Um... So, so yeah, look, all, you know, all power to them by all means, keep, keep chugging away, but let's look just again, don't put the cart before the horse, show us level four and all will be well in the world. And indeed, as I've said time and again, active, uh, Hyundai, if you guys are listening, uh, if you get level four and you deploy it with a nice broadly geofenced execution and any one or several of the major cities of the world, you guys will win. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say on that. Let's see. Now, with respect to the platform itself, so so this is interesting. So so first of all, I'm not really sure what platform here means. I mean, all I've got to, to look at here, which you may have read as well, is that the uh, platform will be offered to robo-taxi providers, f- uh, vehicle fleet managers, and other automakers. Yeah, so this actually makes a lot of sense to me. Um, this is a really good idea. Uh, I, so... Let me see. Um, so a few times in the past, we've talked a bit about there have been a lot of concerns, right? So what's going to happen with, say, just to pick on one obvious, easy example, roadside hotels and motels, right? So here in the U.S. at least, we've got this chain of uh, motels called Motel 6. Um, and the question becomes, if you've got autonomous cars, what's going to happen when you no longer need to stop on the drive between, say, I don't know, San Francisco or San Diego? or between San Francisco and San Diego, or between, say, Boston and, I don't know, somewhere in Florida. Well, instead of stopping your trusty little overpriced, under-qualitied Motel 6, um, you'll just kind of have your car carry you along in blissful autopilot, and you'll take a nap, or just sleep for the whole evening, as it were. Drive at nighttime when there's no traffic. Although, of course, now the roads will be full of autonomous car traffic, I suppose, but that's besides the point. Um, Yeah, so... So I think this is a really great, obvious use case where, you know, Motel 6 is not going to suddenly turn into some sort of an autonomous car developer, because of course they're not. And they're not going to go out of business, because what they're going to do is they're going to effectively buy, they're basically going to white label their autonomous pod cars from some other company, or more specifically, rather, some sort of a platform. And guess what? This is what all the car rental agencies are going to do, too. Hertz, Enterprise, 
budget, Avis, Europe car, you name it. They're all going to do this. And by the way, thinking of this out loud, isn't one of uh, Enterprise Reynolds, one of their main selling points that they bring the car to you? Or is that budget? No, that is Enterprise, isn't it? Yeah, well, wow, this, this totally facilitates that promise in an entirely new way, right? So, so this notion of having a platform, I think this is just an obviously, I mean, and I'm sure we've discussed this in the past, um, because it's certainly something I've also thought about forever, that this is obviously the way things need to go, which sort of raises an interesting question, right? Because Tesla, right? So Tesla are going to have their uh, Tesla fleet of Model 3s, and I'm either forgetting right now or I just don't know um, whether this would be effectively opened up to other third parties to utilize. Um, I'm trying to think about it out loud. Uh, just, hmm. Yeah, I actually don't know. I can sort of see arguments in both directions. Uh, if anyone has any insight into this, uh, shoot me a note on Twitter, Autonomous Hogue. Let me know because I guess really the question is, is Tesla going to open up the Tesla fleet of autonomous cars once they're, well, once they're ready in, I don't know, the next 47 years or something, um, once they're actually open up to be, to be utilized by others, you know, will this be open or will this be strictly for um, Tesla's own, you know, use with respect to ride sharing and their, their own sort of Model 3 taxi fleet, as it were. Uh, very curious about this. Um, anyway, look, this is really, I think, pretty, pretty, big news. And I think it's not surprising, right? Because one thing that we've been seeing a lot of in the autonomous vehicle space is indeed this massive um, kind of collaboration, right? Between many, many different companies. And if that sounds vaguely familiar, yeah, it's kind of like the aviation world, right? I mean, whenever you've got a really massively difficult uh, space, whether it's from a purely business and operational point of view, or whether it's um, from an R&D point of view, yeah, what you're going to see is you're going to see this huge sort of, um, you're just going to see massive collaboration as between companies, which would otherwise probably go under, right? So I think for such a autonomous vehicle focused development company like Aptiv to partner with an established automobile manufacturer like Hyundai, this again is perfectly good sense. And really, yeah, it perfectly mirrors what we've seen previously with, for instance, GM and Cruise. So, so very cool. Um, I, uh, Yeah, I'm quite pleased to hear this, actually. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so this is pretty cool, actually. Um, It turns out the U.S. DOT, the Department of Transportation, has just announced that it's giving away $7.5 million in federal grant funding to uh, autonomous car projects. But just to be super clear, because if you saw these headlines in the last couple of days, it looks like they just put out this release um, Okay, on Wednesday, so last Wednesday. Um, you may have interpreted the headlines as I did, which was DOT basically gave $7.5 million to X number of, of different projects across the country. No, it's $7.5 million to many different projects. In fact, there's a total of, let me just count them here. So there's, okay, so there's Texas. and So, uh, well, hmm. Okay, so this is actually divided by state. So 
$7.5 million to each of Texas, Indiana, um, for some reason, this is split up two different ones in Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and California. Um, it, it's really worth kind of going through this because it's a neat breakdown of the ways in which the grants are to be used. And it's pretty interesting, right? There's, there's quite a bit of a difference, as you'll see. So I'm going to do something I don't usually like to do. Um, I am actually just going to kind of read through this with you. If you felt like pulling it up, it's over at transportation.gov. You can just uh, Google it, of course. But but this is really interesting. I'm going to touch on a few of these, right? So in Texas, the Funding is, uh, let's see, $7,063,787. It's going to the Texas A&M Engineering Experiment Station, otherwise known as uh, TES, T-E-E-S. So quoting from this document, then the project will develop and test ADS, that's Automatic Driver Systems, for rural roads without high-definition maps and with no or low-quality road signs or markings. Um, I'm starting with this one just by chance, really. It's the first one on the list, but I just glancing very quickly at all the others. I'd like to start with this one first anyway, because this is awesome. This, of course, I mean, if ever there was an example of getting autonomous cars working for the last mile, this is surely it. So obviously one of the sort of assumptions about the deployment of autonomous cars is the fact that they will begin in very kind of, well, very urban areas, right? And kind of work their way out until really it's not, you know, the, the more rural parts of the country I say the country, countries generally, I think this will be true everywhere in the world, the more rural parts will uh, sort of get autonomous car deployment much later, of course. Um, and this this kind of makes a lot of sense, right? So we, we certainly saw the same thing uh, back in the day, you know, horses were still widely used through the 1940s, at least here in the US, well after the automobile was on its way to really transforming urban life for, well, everyone. Um, so... So the fact that this particular funding grant is going to Texas A&M for the purpose of making autonomous vehicle technology work in rural areas, specifically those without high-def maps um, or road signs, this is really huge. You know, going beyond the scope of this for a moment, I wonder whether this would be a pretty cool use case for... And actually, before I even say what I was about to say, I, I wonder whether the idea here is... Therefore, to enable autonomous car tech to work indefinitely in the absence of HD maps or high quality road signs or whether the idea is to, I guess, uh, you know, focus on these rural areas and get them properly mapped, if not also properly signed. Um, Because I can see a pretty cool use case then for companies like Here Technologies or Germany-based Atlatech. Uh, if that name rings a bell, you'll remember a previous podcast episode with one Henning Latgan. That's his company. Actually, two episodes, right? Because there was the episode we did with him individually, and then he joined um, two others, uh, Martin Adler and uh, Justin Shore, for our season three finale. Which, by the way, quick aside, that episode, I mean, I was always proud of it, notwithstanding the technical issues here and there. But, man, that has become by far and away the most popular episode in the entire 116 episodes I've ever done. I mean, it has just nearly doubled the second previous most popular episode. So um, I I guess I can't be super surprised because I was always a fan, but man, I didn't expect it to skyrocket that far, that fast. Uh, Do give it a listen if you haven't. It's the season three finale. But in any event, um, so so look, that's a really great application, I think. So very um, 
just very cool to hear that really. Um, skipping ahead to the other side of the, uh, well, the end of the table and really the other use case, um, here in my home state of California, so Contra Costa, it's, it's, um, it's a county and I, if I'm not mistaken, it's also a city um, on the East Bay, so across from San Francisco. Um, let's see here. The project will, de- so they got a solid 7.5 million. This project will demonstrate level three and level four vehicles using shared on-demand wheelchair accessible ADS equipped vehicles. So this, this is very cool for me because this touches on, um, well, do you remember a few episodes, I guess quite a few episodes back. I'm trying to quickly pull it up to refresh my own memory here. So yeah, here we go. Episode 76. Uh, this was January of 2019. Okay, so very early uh, this year. There was this really incredible, uh, inspiring episode that I did where I had the chance to uh, share with you the fantastic story about a certain Mr. David New. Uh, he's based down in, in Florida. He lost his hearing, his vision, he was paralyzed. Uh, and now he's a huge outspoken entrepreneur and, um, you know, activist for all things, uh, for the disabled or otherwise, um, you know, folks who just otherwise cannot drive. Um, first of all, it's a really amazing episode. Just give it a listen. David is an incredibly inspiring person. Again, just give it a listen. Um, and for me, this this really, uh, this to me just has always been, and I've said quite a few times, one of the most perfect, perfect use cases for the testing and indeed the deployment of autonomous cars, right? Because think about it. Most retirement communities um, or assisted living communities, whatever term you'd like to use, um, they are pretty closed environments, right? They're, they're typically private roads. Uh, they're relatively free of a lot of traffic obviously. And um, so they make for really great test environments, right? So this is why Ford's Argo.ai has been testing down there uh, as well. So, and then I suggested a while back that that it kind of made a lot of sense to really fast track the deployment and testing of autonomous vehicles in such facilities, in such communities, because well, to use an admittedly rather bizarre analogy, well, I looked to the, to the medical drug industry, right? So obviously at some point, medical drugs are obviously eventually tested on human trial patients. And I don't know too much about how the industry works, but if I'm not mistaken, there's certainly a priority given to patients who are otherwise terminally ill, right? Because obviously if there's a chance some some trial medication can make them well again, then by all means, why shouldn't they, why shouldn't they be allowed to test that new medif- medication? And so you can see where I'm going with this, right? So this is, I think, a really well, I think it's a somewhat apt analogy with respect to testing autonomous cars. Why not test them in these um, assisted living communities? I mean, what better place to do it? And furthermore, that is effectively the most obvious, easiest uh, deployment of, again, what I've been saying forever, which is a level four deployment. Yes, you'll still have human backup drivers. So what? It's effectively level four. It's a very geofenced, tightly regulated area. It's just the perfect, perfect use case. So, so, so anyway, looping this back then to to California here in Contra Costa. So it sounds like that's what they're going to be doing. So the seven and a half million dollar grant is going towards uh, the demonstration of yeah, level three and level four vehicles. Um, I don't know which facilities it is. Um, you know, if there's anything worth sharing with you further, I'll be sure to find it and and to do so. Let's see. Just quickly glancing at these once more. What else shall I? pick out here to discuss with you um yeah so 
Oh, so this is kind of neat. Okay, let me touch on this one real quick. So Virginia. So Virginia Polytech Institute and State University. It's Virginia Tech Transportation Institute. So, yeah, so they've actually gotten a combined total. It's a whopping $15 million. So, well, so okay, so, so one of them then is for the development and demonstration of dynamic scenarios and the solutions for safe interaction of ADAS-equipped vehicles in Northern Virginia. Um, it seems to me then that they're going to be essentially building perhaps simulated environments to test the various ADAS systems to see how they can improve them better. That's that's my assumption without reading into this further. Um, but also they're going to be developing a fleet concept of operations for the trucking industry so they can be given clear guidelines on how to implement and benefit from ADAS-equipped trucks. This to me is interesting because as we've discussed several times in the past, one of the how shall I say, one of the trickiest industries to get right will be commercial trucking, right? So so depending on whom you ask, there either is or is not a massive potential for really catastrophic adverse fallout from deploying autonomous cars to the commercial trucking industry. I mean, there's several million truck drivers here in the U.S. alone, and if they stand to lose their jobs, well, this is obviously, this is obviously something that needs to be prepared for. For those of you who are questioning this, look, it's not the same as, say, removing toll gate operators from bridges or from, you know, the, I don't know, blacksmiths losing their job as, 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 uh, horses were replaced by cars. It's a bit different, I think, because first we're dealing with a far greater absolute number of people who stand to lose their law, uh, their, well, I was going to say their, <laughs> to lose their law, uh, their jobs, their, their livelihoods. Um, and secondly, it, it, it the, the, the delta over of time over which this could occur is much, much smaller. This could actually happen over a much briefer period of time in something as regulated as the trucking industry, right? So, so if you look at the replacement of, say, blacksmiths uh, because they lost their jobs as, as cars were rolled out and therefore horses were needed less, you know, less often, this, this took place over several decades, right? But, but if, if we suddenly reach a tipping point where, where commercial trucking can be adequately handled by at least level four driving solutions, right? So this could potentially, um, this can make a big difference actually. Um, just, just thinking out loud, I mean, because now suddenly instead of, you know, instead of one truck driver who can only do eight hour shifts, say, which therefore would require three different truck drivers at a minimum to handle, say, a full 24 hour day. Well, now you could effectively have just one truck driver who would then be able to uh, go to sleep for certain stretches of the roads, potentially do more than that amount of time. So you could effectively delete, say, two jobs per hour. Um, so so this is a really important thing to get right. So to the extent that Virginia Tech is able to figure out ways to better streamline this, this, this is a pretty cool thing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so to close things out today, yeah, so Audi's done a study on a rather interesting thing. It's looking at, apparently they looked at, 21,000 individuals from around the world and they wanted to figure out the sort of emotional reaction I guess you could say um, or as they call it because of course being Audi emotional landscape um, 
of of kind of different cultures' perception of autonomous vehicles, really trying to gauge essentially are they excited or are they terrified? Are they at best perhaps just ambivalent about the prospect of an autonomous vehicle future? Um, I'm not going to get into this too much. Uh, a, we're going over time a bit, and B, I, it, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing, but it's really kind of just worth touching on, honestly. Uh, look, it's things that we've addressed in the past, but it is worth putting a number to it. They they, they kind of came up with a score, right? And and here's, here's kind of some of the, the highlights, right? So some of these might be surprising. Some of them may not be. I don't know. So in Germany, there was a score of minus 0.7. So to be clear, anything in the minuses, obviously sort of more averse to autonomous vehicles, anything in the positive range, uh, there's more of an affinity for them. So actually, let, let's start with Asia, first of all. So as you may or may not know, um, uh, well, so all of Asia in general, except for Japan, and I'll get to that in a moment. So sp- strictly speaking, so China and South Korea anyway. Um, <clears throat> yeah, autonomous vehicles simply cannot come soon enough. So China scored a whopping 5.1, South Korea 1.2. Um th- this is just like a massively, hugely desired thing uh, in both these countries. Japan, rather less so. They scored zero, negative 0.9. They just want to make sure the technology actually works, that it's a safe fit, and that it's gone through all the proper extensive tests. And it seems at least implicitly clear that once they can be satisfied of that, then they're going to be all for it. But really, right now, China, by far and away, the most optimistic in the world by a lot. Um Let's look at a more car-happy culture from a driving point of view. Uh, Germany, they're at minus 0.7. This is interesting because um, U.S. is also a very car-friendly culture. At least we, we love our cars. We love driving. But we scored a minus 0.9. So why is why is Germany rather less um, opposed or a little less averse to cars uh, to autonomous cars than we are? Well, both countries, they... Well, at least here in the U.S., there's this general hopefulness of easier access to mobility generally. I mean, who can deny that, right? But um, the fact is, in America, we we love our cars. We're such a strong car culture generally. Um, Germany is that way as well, right? Germany is actually a very robust car culture too. In fact, one big reason why certain portions of the Autobahn have remained de-restricted with respect to speed limits is because, yeah, this is something that most Germans, or at least a lot of Germans, just don't want to give up. I mean, there's a very real love for cars and driving there. I mean, no surprise that, you know, Germany is home to the likes of Mercedes, BMW, Porsche, right? So, Audi, uh, Volkswagen, I should say. So, so anyway, so there's a there's a bit of ambivalence there. Um, the most negative, really, uh, just looking at these numbers some more, is actually... Well, yeah, the UK and and the US, honestly, at minus 0.9. So the British, they're hugely concerned with ethical considerations, which to me, just I hear that and I or I read that and I hear trolley paradox, and so I suddenly tune it out. But um, so so okay, so this just goes to show something which is at least interestingly somewhat correlated, I suppose, with the MIT study from a few months back, right? So if you remember, this was the study which. Yeah, give the trolley paradox to folks from all over the world to see how they would come out on, you know, how the results would differ according to the culture. And it really was quite interesting, even though, again, I'm, I'm, I'm really done discussing the trolley paradox and just, it's just a useless thing to discuss or think about. 
Um, the results were quite interesting, though, from that particular uh, experiment that was conducted around the world. So if you remember, it's just that in the U.S., for, well, in Western countries, for example, um, let's see, children were typically prioritized over the elders, whereas in, say, Eastern countries, certainly in Asia, um, it was the inverse. Um, elders were prioritized around children. So in China, the preference was usually to allow the car to strike a little kid rather than grandma and grandpa crossing the road. And here in the U.S., it was yeah the opposite. So, so this this study then on the so-called emotional landscape of the world with respect to um, people's feelings, I guess, meaning their excitement or perhaps their trepidation, as is more often the case, and at best, really their their um, you know just ambivalence, I guess you could say. Uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. So, um, yeah, I I think I think really what this goes to say then, and I think. Audi's approach is certainly a correct one. It's really going to come down to properly educating the public, right? So so I think, and yeah, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. I think we can kind of draw analogies to, shall we, shall we say, I don't know, recycling, for instance, right? So people didn't just wake up one day and thought to themselves, hmm, yes, I think I should recycle, and this is exactly how it's going to work. No, it was kind of a slow process, a slow sort of education. Um, city ordinance had to be enacted to mandate it in some cases. Some places are more strict, some are more lax. But at the end of the day, it came down to education. You had to kind of teach people and introduce them the right way to go about recycling, but more importantly, why. Right? People had to understand the why. They had to really, dare I say, emotionally connect with, feel some sort of association to the purpose underlying the need, the purpose to recycle, right? This was a very important thing. Some places have got it much better than others. And we really need the same thing with autonomous cars because it is a massive, massive uh, culture shift. As I've said before, I think that one place, one one mechanism I think that'll really help push things along would be, frankly, Hollywood, Right. The film industry has, for years, for decades, had a massive influence on, well, society generally, right? Smoking went from being a cool thing to an uncool thing. And this has all been kind of molded and kind of, in many cases, expedited by the film industry. And I think we're going to need to see the same sort of thing with autonomous cars. You know, I had said a while ago that, you know, it's only a matter of time until we see James Bond jumping into an electric car. And very soon, indeed, an autonomous car. Well, it turns out the next James Bond movie, he is going to be in an electric car. And how much you want to bet it's going to be at least partially autonomous, if not fully. So there's that. And well, look, to wrap it up then, speaking of of educating the public, so there is this really great organization in D.C. called PAVE. It's the Partners for Autonomous Vehicle Education. So most of the companies, most of the OEMs out there working on autonomous cars, they're all members. And... I think it's a really fantastic organization insofar as trying to educate the public. I, I, I say this affectionately. I concern, I am concerned with their, I guess their breadth and their scope of influence. I, I kind of wonder how many people are actually hearing what they have to say. I suspect, frankly, not many, unless they're already in the autonomous car space, which of course is the the problem. So um, that's sort of a chicken and egg problem, I suppose. You got to be interested in the first place in order to hear to to put yourselves to be educated, but. I think I think going forward, it's we're going to see, I don't know, 
television campaigns for those of us who actually still watch TV. Uh, just more general announcements, content on YouTube, elsewhere on the internet besides, um, because it's going to require a big phase shift in society and the way we think. So to Audi's point, and to wrap this all up, this study of people's sort of perception of autonomous cars from around the world is actually very important, as I think it'll help kind of guide and mold the way in which we do educate the public to help further expedite and indeed facilitate both the testing from a funding point of view, but also, of course, and crucially, the deployment of autonomous cars. All right, well, that is a wrap for today. We've gone a bit longer than usual today once again. Don't know if that annoys you or whether you like it, but there it is. Um, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to follow me on all social media at Autonomous Hogue. Until next time, that'll be on Friday. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.